Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep it real. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. And we're back. HBI podcast, health, business, and in between. And today, well, last week was the dangerous duo. Today, it's the triumphant trio. Still missing the uh, the man, the myth, the man we can't see when the sun is shining. Mr. Mina Garras did the reflection from his head. Uh, but today, we have the boys, myself, Dr. Nathan Bridger, chiropractor. We have Dr. Dan Copride, osteopath. And just because I don't even, I feel like you're entitled to it. So we're just going to throw it out for the fun of it. Dr. Benjamin Humphreys, Capra, hey. don't sue me if I'm wrong, physiotherapist. Um, I feel privileged and um, stumbled on my words just then. You've got me caught me by <laughs> surprise. Um, not often I get called a doctor. Right, I know. And apparently I listen to doctor, but and, that's about it. In, yeah, <laughs> I get it all the time, but in the sense that you shouldn't be called it. And I'm like, all right, mate, I can get off your high horse. Um, yeah. But. More importantly today, we're just going to have a quick little powwow, uh, a power, I was going to say power session on onboarding oh, wow. and setup, because I think it's a constant thing that we both discussed before, but it's an evolving base and something we're all going through regularly. Ben specifically having set up new space, new employees, and onboarding <laughs> is such a crucial part of any like business, especially in allied health, right? And that's whether you are onboarding support staff, whether you're onboarding a new practitioner, whether you're setting up a new space, all of these things are crucial to your success, right? And, you know, that classic, if you're not having a plan, is planning to fail, right? So, Ben, do you want to tell everybody very quickly what you've just done and then let's talk about how we've done it? All right. I've, we've literally just put on a, a massage therapist. His name's Andreas Jackson. He's actually from Chile. Uh, he, he's a legend. He's actually he's finished his bachelor of physio back in Chile. He's only eighteen months older than me, so he's got a quite an old, overqualified massage therapist here in Australia with us. Um, anyway, we just hired him a couple of weeks ago. He actually caught COVID, so after getting um, his shots, and um, that can keep. We'll just keep rolling with that. Anyway, so he's just come out of quarantine over the weekend. So we went to start him last week, but he started literally this morning. So it's pretty fresh. I had a big day yesterday setting everything up and working. So, um, yeah, we've diversified our our team from physios into some massage therapy. And we've opened up a new new room in a new location at Camberwell, which is only 10 minutes from Malvern. It's actually, I'm subleasing from St. Peter Lewis. He's a doctor who runs... Uh, the Malvern Center, and he's got another clinic in Camberwell, a few others around the city. Anyway, so it's been a pretty easy transition across there, but logistics and um, setting up a new staff member and and in a new, in a new location has been a bit of a headache. Um, we've had yeah. extra trouble well, this time. <clears throat> yeah, let's break this down quickly. So before we go, how many locations do you have now? Is this a go- yeah, bro? I hired him. All right. Fuck, what um, yeah. Dan, Dan referred me a guy, um, Andreas, to for treatment because Dan was leaving and I've literally hired him. <laughs> so good. Yeah, he was messaging me about who was good to see and who was good to learn off. And I was like, Ben's your man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Because he's he was such a good pickup. Like, we're looking for a massage therapist at the time. 
he was a massage therapist, physio trained. I'm like, all right, I can tweak your manual therapy school, skills, but you got, you know, the personality and the, I guess, intelligence to to run it pretty well. Anyway, thank you, bro. Um, Actually, before we continue, that's a really important point right there for anyone in allied health. Going and spending time with other practitioners <clears> is literally <throat> how you get jobs. Mm. Seek is not your friend in allied health. Get around. Anyway, so how well, many sites yeah, are you 10 applicants running? on Seek, but then... I met this dude in person. I was like, oh, this guy's a good dude. Yeah. Anyway, um, what were you saying? So like, how many sites are you running at the moment? Three. So I've just, just right. started the third one. I have run three in the past, but that was kind of me working across the three of them. I will be working across the three of them as well, but just probably one day at each now, Paran, Malvin, and Camberwell. Uh, the reason I've been looking actually, for, as I've said before, for my own space and given the instability towards the end of the year, economically and politically i really just sort of i'm holding off until probably the new year and then i'll be hopefully going again at it anyway so opening up a new space obviously the first thing is first you need to have the demand for the work um the reason why we diversified into massage therapy is because we we run a pretty remedial slash physio slash snc sort of therapist i guess with our physiotherapist so massage therapy was a pretty easy fit for us um, given that, um, and I, I find that people are, there's quite a low barrier to entry for massage therapy. Like people are happy to just go and get a massage basically. And for me, it was like, all right, well, let's trial a new profession on the team. Um, we often have people who are just like, oh, I just, just want massage only. So I'm like, I'm not keen to just get stuck in your deep tissue wise for 45 minutes. So I'm yeah. going to palm that shit right off and I'm going to hire someone who can do that and fill that void. And it's something that we can uh, teach and mentor quite easily as well. Like massage in the day is not the hardest thing to, to master. It's quite a easy skill. It's just, I guess, combining the right flow and, um, you know, a few specifics about that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, we had to have the d- demand. We had a few people asking for it, uh, I've currently capped out at two rooms. I've got three professionals running between two rooms at the moment, two are full-time. I'm just part-time. And then I couldn't, there's no way I could fit a third person in two rooms. So I said, all right, I need to bite the bullet here. I open up another location, another room. And as I said, it was already with a, a friend of mine who runs a doctor's sports medicine, regenerative medicine clinic. So it was quite easy to transition across. Now, I guess if we're going to go into more on the the setting up versus the employing sort of route um obviously the standard shit you know provider numbers tfn set up um the accounting and sort of thing with the, with the company and then rolling into um you know your practice management software creating new profiles new staff members making sure you we're doing our professional photos and shit this week on thursday for new website updates social media updates we've had to upskill andreas on instagram to learn how to use instagram and start pushing himself on social media i'm not sure if you boys have seen anything just yet um but i pushed him to start using um, canva and start to develop some content and get his uh i guess social media iq a bit better so he can um start promote because that's obviously where we have a lot of our traffic so we want to make sure that he's on the platforms that we're getting most of our traffic and that's been a big thing for us because that's how a you're promoted 
quite easily and quite and freely and that's how um, obviously most of our traffic comes through there and that's how you also establish somewhat of authority in the industry is that you have you know a social media profile that you know um, promotes you online versus just obviously face to face and it's an easy way to leverage um, yeah. marketing like social media is the biggest gift for practice you know it's a gift and a curse in some ways but in terms of the ability to promote yourself and develop yourself at really limited cost, there is no better option, right? And especially these days with the like things like Canva and other social media like creation devices that can make things look very good, there's really no excuse. Like unless you're an old school practitioner that literally needs no new clients, social media is an important part of every like whether you run the business or you just work within it having a good social media profile is like it's invaluable right invaluable it provides worth like and it's worth that you can take with you you know so if you if you then move on from a business later on and you you know whether it's you move state or you move just around to do your own thing you get to take a level of worth that you've created through that the business doesn't own that side of things so like it shocks me when i see practitioners that aren't busy not doing social media. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's, it's mind-boggling that people don't use it. But going, I want to take a step back before we talk about a bit further about the training in the employee. I think talking about choosing a space is really, really important because obviously, as you said, you had that opportunity with Peter through one of his um, other sites. And mm. obviously, you're just subleasing a room, right? Like I think when we, as practitioners, look at expanding or even looking at a first site, trying to figure out what the best option is, is always the challenge, right? Because it's like, Mm -hmm. do you buy something? Do you lease something? Do you sublease something? There's a lot of options and each obviously has its advantages and disadvantages. So I think you were talking about just before, you know, with the current socioeconomic or like, you know, political climate within Victoria itself, a subcontracted like room or subleased room is a very good option because it's easier to break lease Basically, it's a safe option. If shit goes, hits the fan, pulling the ripcord's a lot easier than if you're tied onto a lease, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the problem I've been wrestling with the last couple of months, six months is do I commit, don't I? What's the future looking like? And there's a lot of uncertainty. So I'm like, financially, I don't want to, as you know, you've got to pay, you don't want to um, commit to a lease, uh, let's say for three years for example you might have three years by three by three whatever and then to get it up to speed you might depending on the the, um the quality of the place and how much renovations you want to do like that's where the probably the bigger cost comes through where you you know the lease for me like we're paying 1500 bucks a week across the three rooms so i'm paying 80 grand a year at the moment anyway in leasing fees but you might need to stick 100k or more into a into a a clinic just to get it to your standards and to your design. So that's where you'd have to talk about, you know, either funding that yourself or getting a loan from the business, uh, from the bank or, and whatnot. So yeah, it's important. So I've had to do my second option here, which is obviously take out another space in a suburb that I didn't want to go to, but it's a temporary fit for now. But yeah, as you mentioned, yeah. like <laughs> there's a few things you need to weigh up and you got to really weigh up financials at the end of the day like does it make sense to open up a a practice or a room or whatever in this location now my 
we've kind of been forced to Malvern really because of COVID. And I got the relationship with Peter. I was like, I need to set up in a medical clinic because of all the COVID um, yeah. dramas that have been going on. And that looks a bit better than working out of a dodgy gym. So it's just incidentally that I've had to do this, the next step as well. Um, ideally my, my location where I've built my community and this is obviously a big thing to take into consideration for you is like, where's, where's your client base? Where have you built yourself? Where's your reputation? And that's where you want to be in the heart of those areas. Like you might not be relying on foot traffic in which we don't and you boys don't, but it obviously does help. But yeah, being set up at least is where, where people know, know you and they know where your, your business has been. If you're setting up somewhere, you know, 20 minutes away from where people usually see you, it starts to get, um, you know, you, you get clients drop off and that sort of thing. Even being in Camberwell from Paran, which is like a 25, 30 minute drive, that's pretty fast. So, but the other good thing about being geographically spread out is that you're increasing your reach in those local areas. But um, if you haven't got several locations set up, you do lose clients from the other place so it's a bit of a catch-22 really yeah like i think there's some interesting points there right like i know for myself in north Korea, my my goal is not to like like you said your, your patient base or your notoriety per se um is in one section and then mm. a lot of the time you want to capitalize that so for me like i took a lease and then I end up buying the the, the um, property from the landlord because I decided it was a long-term stay once I built out through there. Obviously, WA is a very different climate to Victoria, but mm. really important point for people to understand, right? Like if you, for instance, are in Paran, it's going really well. There's two options there if you're subleasing, right? You either then find your own property and expand that or you add a second one. And it all depends on what, like you're saying, what you want to do and where you see the future going. But for I would say for most people, it's more about investing where you are and going bigger. Yeah. Now, you're in a unique situation because I know people will know, we've talked about it before, that you were looking at decking out a space mm. and having that one big space, right? Obviously, COVID's uh, just another yeah, thing. COVID's throwing yeah. a spanner in the works in. And then so now it's about safe diversification which will allow you to build up. But the thing I think is interesting. So where are you now? You're in, you're going to be in Camberwell, Melbourne and yeah. Bran. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Melbourne yeah. and Camberwell are 10 minutes from each other, but Melbourne's probably 15 minutes from Paran, depending on traffic, yeah. usually 10 minutes. But, but even, even then, right. So if you look at that, we'll call them that golden triangle that he yeah. uh, just said, I don't, I don't know shit about the Eastern Melbourne. <laughs> like you go over the bridge and I stop knowing. Um, yeah. But, if let's say, and this is what Sly imagines probably sitting in your head at the moment, I think this is the important thing for listeners to think about. So if you crank these three sites up, right, like they're maxed out, the rooms are overflowing because you can't get people in, you can get one big central location and your loss of client would be very minimal because they're still within that radius, yeah, right? Proximity, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. So you could take a full clinic yourself stack it somewhere that means that everyone's only got less than like a 10 minute drive which is a nothing drive mm. and you're going to hold 95 percent of client base off all three and condense it into one overhead so it's a really intelligent idea to start continuing building that notoriety in stock without like putting like 
over diversifying. Whereas like if you open this new one in like Essendon, problem in the future, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah, you're right. It's gotta be within a appropriate proximity that people are happy to travel and like put aside business um decisions and whatnot like we live in like mentone which is like a half an hour trek 25 minute trek to these suburbs anyway so then you're taking consideration your personal factors and variables and you know your lifestyle shit and whatnot but talking purely business wise yeah you want to be strategic in a way that you basically don't inconvenience your clients too much and don't make it too hard for them to get to you um you're Obviously, your reputation and your relationship with your current client base goes a long way and people are still happy to travel and people love to see the same person because it's like your barber, your, your doctor, you know, your lawyer, whatever. It's just like, all right, I'm like your accountant. It's like, this is a guy that I know or girl I'm comfortable with. They're good at what they do. So we're willing to travel for you. So when you develop enough of a rapport and reputation that, you know, you're known for being really good at what you do. And then you start to increase, I guess, the, the distances that people are willing to travel to see you. But, and that's, I guess, for more inbound, like people seeking your services, that yeah. sort of thing. Because we, we have people travel on average 20 to 30 minutes to get to us anyway, which isn't that far for a city because like you might travel 20 minutes in three Ks <laughs> depending yeah. on your traffic and your reach. But um yeah, those are all really important things to consider. I'll have, yeah. I'll have to bounce in a couple of minutes. Um, we can do so it. Let's talk. Let's talk, let's talk on board. Anyway. Well, I think we need to talk onboarding of the actual person, right? Like the stuff you talked about before is all the trivial shit, like the opening up the practitioner profiles, Logistics. website, all that stuff, right? Logistics is the simple part. Like if you it's can't write saying, those step yeah. by steps down, you yeah. probably shouldn't be running a business. But I think the important stuff is actually bringing the person into the business, right? Because there's too many businesses where people just sink or swim people, which again, depending on the experience of the practitioner and the trust can be fine. If you're bringing someone on into your methodology, there has to be a training around the ethos and things like that, right? And I think this comes back to like your, this can be a bit esoteric, but your mission and vision statement for your business is something that's important and that every person that gets onboarded should know about because if they don't understand the like principles of what you stand for and they can't get behind it, well, they have no business being in your space, right? And I think that's saying that a lot of time practitioners and as business people, we hire fast and we fire slow and it needs to be the opposite. Hiring should be slow and firing should be fast because if that's someone's right. not fitting the mold, they're damaging your reputation. So when you onboard someone, there needs to be a sit down. But when this should happen before you've even hired them, this is what we stand for. This is how we do it. Are you on board? And yeah. actually on board. It's the screening process has to be comprehensive. Yeah. And this is why <clears throat> you're right. We, we're pretty slow to hire. Like it might, we've drawn out over at least a two week period, uh, two stage interview, uh, and then pretty comprehensive personality, psychometric testing. Um, productivity checks I, I outsource a lot of this stuff to a, another company that does a lot of stuff for me um, and then they'll do comprehensive um, reference checking and 
you can even it depends like you can be creative with your onboarding and, and your interview process you can even do iq testing you can even do you know theoretical practical exams like this is the kind of shit that i want to do as well to make it like right, this is a a fucking tough job to get and you got to like jump through this hoop that hoop that hoop to even be considered to, for the job um etc cetera, etc cetera. we can yeah. get into that but the screening has to be great because then what you said before then you're going to have the correct person the or the most appropriate personality fit for you and your yeah. team and um in that that for me is basically making it as um frictionless as possible when you're onboarding because you already know you've got the correct personality type the correct person and um you're already going to have someone who matches your current culture your your team yeah. your um your standards of work and all this sort of stuff so it makes everything else pretty easy yeah and then on top of that like you said once they're on board it's your percent like and this is the thing like you need to tell people from day one how much autonomy they get but if you have systems that you have expectations and of course that does come from screening you need to train them up right like I have a certain way that we do business down at North Rio Cairo. And when I brought Ryan on or I bring anyone, I expect them to follow that same system, right? And if you're not going to follow that system, it's not going to work. Yeah, agreed, man. All right. We'll do a part two or part three, unless you two boys want to continue. We can't. You're on the host. Uh, (laughs) You just stop recording for me.